and welcome to episode 11 of the FPL Context podcast with me, Steve. And me, Greg. So it's finally started to prove that class is permanent and form is temporary because I've, I've levelled up two game week wins in a row, missed the top 1k, that's me, and I'm starting to show you how it's done, mate. So it won't be long before you're well, bef- well back and uh, watching me pull away. Mate, I mean, how the level has dropped there. You're trying to just beat me now instead of getting top 1k. And funny thing is, you're still, I'm still above you overall on points. So I wouldn't get too smug just yet, mate. Yeah, but mate, you've lost two game weeks in a row. I'm starting to get that bit of acceleration going. It's not going to be long, mate. You know where Usain Bolt, he starts the race a little bit slow. He makes the opponents think, oh yeah, they'll be all right. And then the finish just absolutely does them. That's what's, that's what's about to happen. We're... About a quarter way through the 100-metre track, I'm going to absolutely smash you at the end. Oh, mate, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But all I'm saying is I'm aiming for the top 1K. I'm not aiming to beat you. Just beat the left. <laughs> I, 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 I want to win the FPL, mate. I don't, <laughs> mate. I don't mess around with uh, noobs at this game. Mate, I'll be breaking the world record on the 100 metres and you'll be breathing out your ass on the floor on your knees halfway through. That's what's going to happen. But um, anyway, so... Yeah, it's 3-3, levelled up. I got 44 points this week. Greg, what did you get? 42. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) But one thing, so let's just quickly go through our teams, what went well, what didn't go well. Let's be honest, Halloween came early uh, in game week six because it was a bloody horror show for most people. Um, But obviously a lot of people captain Salah, I captain Salah, I know you captain Salah. That was the most unlucky blank I think I've ever seen. He's had the goal disallowed and then he's from six yards out after an amazing turn, he's at the post. So it was just one of those where the gods were against us. Yeah, it's one of those frustrating ones. It feels like you're watching it and you can just feel it coming, the blank on its way. And when he uh, scored that goal from the Trent assist, me owning both of them, I just knew it was going to be VAR offside. I just (laughs) knew it. Yeah. Yeah, and also it hurts more when you've either got Kane or Son in your team. So I had Kane, you got Son. So it's just thinking, oh God, I wish I captained one of those. And obviously that came to a flourishing later on in the in the week. Yeah, so just quickly going through. So obviously Salah blanked. Um, Martinez, I, I had in goal. He got a bonus point for saves, which was good, but obviously let three in. So uh, Aston Villa come in, uh, well, open there. And uh, I guess this is a good time for me to do an... Uh, Public apology to Patrick Bamford. Uh, last week, if you didn't hear it on our last podcast, I uh, described him as um, a poo who floats for a while but will eventually sink. Yeah, I need to take that back. I'm sorry, Patrick. You shut me up well and truly with three brilliant finishes. And uh, I'm starting to look at you as an option for my team. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, sorry, Patrick. Uh Next time, when I do get you in, I'll, I will call you that again and hopefully the same returns happen. Um, but yeah, and then, so the only returns I got on my side were Ailing got me a clean sheet, who I wasn't expecting. Sace, which was hilarious because he got taken off and then they let the goal in and then he got a bonus point, which is amazing. Uh, but obviously, slight worries there about whether Kilman's taken his place, but happy with the points there. Jimenez, the postman, delivers as always, got a goal, wasn't really involved. Great shot from outside the box. Uh, So a goal and bonus points from him. And then I got an assist from Kane. And then the rest of the side, I just, I got nothing. Uh, 
I didn't get anything at all, all blanks. So I had Havert who massively disappointed me and he's 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 on the bus, he's already out of the team. Uh, brought in Grealish in for him already because I was, just wasn't impressed. Not only with him, but the way Frank uh, set them up at the weekend was so defensive. I just don't want anything to do with that. But um, yeah, what about your team, Greg? Yeah, so um, I had quite a lot of blanks this week as I'm sure a lot of people did. <laughs> Um, so I got Martinez in goal, got three points, got a fair few saves in there. Uh, lost the clean sheet though. Say same as you, and it's quite funny with that one. I was almost happy that he was getting taken off, which is kind of weird for an FBL asset. But just banking in the clean sheet and getting off the pitch, I was pretty happy with that. Um, uh, Trent got me another blank. Trent's been really disappointing for me so far this season. Um, Lamptey another blank. It was a very late goal in order to lose that clean sheet. So, another very frustrating one. Fernando. Never thought I'd cheer a Newcastle goal, but I was cheering that knowing you had empty. <laughs> Cheers for that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fernandez, blank. <laughs> oh, he did get the clean sheet point, though. So, uh, take whatever I get at the moment. Foden got the goal for me, so that was good. Salah, blank. Uh, Son, great goal in the Spurs game. So, got the 11-point uh, haul for that. Um, and then my attack, which you could probably argue is the worst attack you'll ever see. Uh, Watkins, blank. Werner, blank. And Calvert-Lewin, blank. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I was very disappointed with all three of them. I mean, Calvert-Lewin, I think um, I'm never going to be disappointed with him considering what he's done before this game week. But the other two, just flipping, just frustrating, man. Yeah, no. Well, everyone felt your pain. There was a lot of people who were really struggling, and uh, especially before the Spurs game, a couple of returns there. But it was a difficult week for a lot of us. Saw a lot of mid-20s, 30 points, really low-scoring weeks. So to get over the 40 mark, to be honest, is a little bit of an achievement in itself. But um, yeah, so one of the big talking points at the moment is a lot of people have started the season with double... Liverpool defence um, and obviously the injury to Van Dijk. Uh, Fabinho got injured last night. Um, then you've got Trent who's only had one return in terms of attacking return since the start of the season. 7.5 mil. People are deciding that really Liverpool double defence just isn't an option anymore. And I'd agree with that. Um, that You just can't depend on those clean sheets without Van Dijk there. Fabinho looks like he's going to be out for a while with hamstring injury. And if Trent's not getting the attacking returns the level that he was last season, it's a lot of investment in two defenders um, from the Liverpool defence without those guarantees. Uh, so would you agree with most of the community that it's now time to only have one Liverpool or no Liverpool defenders? Yeah, 100%. I don't think you want to bank um, two Liverpool defenders in there. I think uh, right now with Liverpool, their clean sheet potential isn't very high. Um, with their fullbacks being so attacking and their main defender being out and Fabinho being out, I just don't think they're going to get many clean sheets personally. So that potential is completely gone. So you're basically just relying on attacking potential and considering their price, I just can't see that being worth it. Yeah, and I know this includes the Aston Villa game, what was a bit of a freak, but just looking at the data, so the last four game weeks, the only team who's con- uh, conceded more big chances is Fulham. Than Liverpool mm. so obviously the Aston Villa one was a bit of an anomaly but it really showcases how open they are yeah and to have two of them and Trent not getting the attacking returns the investment's just too much 
Um, so what I've done is I've had a little bit of a look at the other defences and options of where you guys can go. So first of all, the best defences over the last four game weeks are from Chelsea, uh, Southampton and West Ham in terms of XG conceded. Now, Chelsea, obviously, Frank has really, he's really made them tight for the last two games. He's made sure that they've gone very defensive with Mendy uh, back. So Seville, nil-nil, Man United, nil-nil. They went with a very defensive approach against both of them. So that with Thiago Silva, uh, no longer Kepper in there, they're looking a strong option. And obviously, I'll talk about Chilwell in a sec. But just looking at the last two game weeks, so Man United, they had an XG conceded of 1.07, which is the best in the league, only conceded one goal. Man City a second, uh, they've only conceded one goal, XG conceded of 1.18. Then it's Wolves uh, conceding one goal and then uh, 1.32. Leicester, one goal and 1.45. So those ones are the real key teams that I'm looking towards. Um, Man United are obviously improving. They've brought in McTominay and Fred to cover the defence. So there's some cover there. Man City, their fixtures are going to start to turn. They're going to get a little bit easier. So we could look at them. There's a couple of options there I'll be talking about. And then Wolves. Nuno seems like he's gone very defensive. Um, if you watch Wolves now, they just don't seem like they tried to create anything in the first half. And then they, they hope to score late on when the other teams become a bit fatigued. Um, is that something you, you've seen too with Wolves? Yeah, no, definitely. I think Wolves, um, I mean, most of their goals come in the second half, I think. Uh, w- watching Wolves recently, I think they have been quite a defensive outlet in terms of I feel like they're not really looking like they're going to concede, but it's kind of just a case of are they going to score? So it, it always seems to come along through Jimenez a lot of the time, but um, I don't really see Wolves as a great attacking outlet right now. No. Uh, so what I've done as guys is I've looked through a couple of options who I think would be really good replacements for a Trent or a Robbo over the next couple of game weeks and Greg talk through these players and then see what we think and then hopefully we can we can choose one or two which we highly recommend so yeah. first of all a very popular pick so far he's had a couple of prize rises is Ben Chilwell so he's had 27 points in his last three games yeah. Uh, obviously, within that, he's had two clean sheets. He's had an assist. Uh, and then Burn, he's got Burnley and Sheffield United in his next two games, which are obviously against teams who are not really producing uh, a high at- attack and output. I know Burnley looks slightly better against Spurs, but goal scoring-wise, it's not really happening for them. So, Chilwell, what do you think about him? Obviously, he looks a great option. Yeah, I think he's a great option. I think he's one I'm definitely considering in terms of getting Trent out. I think um, defensively, I think potential for clean sheets is high with uh, Chelsea looking more defensive now and Thiago Silva playing and Kepper out of the goal, which I think is a big thing. Um, and I think, uh, as you said, a few um, easier fixtures coming up, you'd say. And uh, I know Chilwell's been on corners for a lot of this season so far, but with Ziyech coming in soon, maybe that will change. But I think uh, without corners, Chilworth still offers quite an attacking output. I think he gets quite high forward and he looks in like quite a lot of good positions and he crosses the ball quite a lot. So I think his attacking potential is still there. So I think, I think he's a great option. Yeah. Yeah. I can't argue with any of that. Um, Especially if he's going to play as a wing back, Uh, 
keep an eye out on that. But yeah, Frank's basically shut up shop. We're not letting any more goals. United, he was very, very defensive. So the clean sheets look more likely, especially with Mendy and Thiago Silva. Uh, the next option is, and he's a little bit of a differential um, and maybe a surprise to some of you, but obviously with the stats I just gave you about Man City's improving defence, is Cancelo. So in Cancelo's last two games, he's had an assist and a clean sheet. He's only owned by 0.8% of managers. And in the last game against West Ham, he had seven touches in the in the opposition box. So it shows how advanced he is and shows really um, how much attacking output he really does have. And with City maybe getting their finishing boots on, they scored three goals last night. He looks like he could really get some uh, good assist potential there. Yeah, I think he's one that's actually passed the eye test for me a little bit. Um with the games I've watched him play and as you say he gets quite far forward and he's uh, he's got quite a bit of attacking output and I think City would hopefully not concede too many goals um, one thing that maybe worries me a little bit I don't know um, about his game time whether he's absolutely nailed to play every game with Pep it's always a bit of an issue I guess but um, if he does stay nailed because I know he's played the last two 90 minutes um, I think he'd be a good option yeah and I, to be honest, I think Pep's done with Mendy now, and uh, Cancelo at left back is going to be something which is going to, which is going to stick for a while. So I think he's a great differential, and um, yeah, like that attacking output there, he could really offer something, especially in the upcoming games, especially away at Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, then another option who's really interested in me is Castagna. So Castagna, he's the second highest scoring defender on the game. He's got three assists and one goal. And in the last game at uh, Arsenal, they, he played as a wing-back. I think he is a brilliant option uh, for to bring in, especially, I think, against Leeds. He's going to have really good opportunities to uh, get in behind. Leeds play man for man. I think he's going to be able to get in behind uh, the back line. Castagna, I think it's going a little bit under the radar. Leicester's defence is really improving even with Sionchu injured. So I think he is someone, along with Chilwa, who people should really be looking at as a replacement for either a Trent or a Robbo. Yeah, I think he's got great attacking potential. He gets far forward. Um, he puts good crosses into the box. I think he puts quite a few low ones in, I've seen. So um, I think definitely potential of Vardy on, a few, on the end of a few of his crosses. And um, I, yeah, he loves to run forward. I know Leicester's next three games are quite tricky I don't know but Leeds is always a bit of a tricky game at the moment but after those three games I think it gets a bit easier for them so maybe after that you'd want him for that run of fixtures yeah yeah for sure and obviously like I said in the stats before Man United's defence is starting to really improve especially with that shield of McTominay and Fred and someone who it's a little bit unknown where he is at the moment um, he's missed the last two games is uh, Tellez now Tellez uh, 5.5 we, if you watched him in the PSG game he's got a fantastic delivery and I think if that goes hand in hand with Cavani starting more games I think the assist potential for Cavani getting on the end of those crosses is particularly high um, so keep an eye on Tellez uh, obviously we'll keep an eye on the news around his injury but someone also from Man United who will be starting tonight, Lindelof is missing from the squad. It looks like he might have an injury, Lindelof, but we'll, we'll wait for more news. It's Tuan Zabi. 
because Tuan is only 4.5 million. And if he gets a regular spot in the Man United defence, then he could be a great budget option, couldn't he? Yeah, 100%. 4.5 million is great value to get into the Man United defence. I think the only issue would be his game time. I don't know if Lindelof was fit. I wouldn't trust Solskjaer to play him week in, week out. I think um, it just doesn't seem like something Solskjaer would do unless Swan Zabie really, really uh, goes on a great run. So um, that'd be one to watch. I think as well with Tellez, I think it's the same sort of issue. I think right now, obviously, he's injured, so there's not really much debate about it. But when he starts playing again, I'd still maybe be a little bit worried that Solskjaer's thinking about rotating him with Shaw. So, again, it'd probably be one to watch. Yeah. I think Solskjaer, though, what he showed is if you perform well, he will keep you in the side. Um, Because if you think about post-lockdown, he played the same team maybe nine times in a row, something like that. When they were on that good run, he played the same team over and over and over and over again. Very little changes. I know the schedule's a little bit more hectic, but I do think if you perform in the side, he'll keep you in there. So I think if Tellers does perform or Tuanzevi does perform, they will stay in there because Solskjaer only rotates really when it's going wrong. Um, so if they can perform well, watch the game tonight against Leipzig, uh, Tuanzevi. I really think that, that, especially if Lindelof's injured for a little while, I really think he can nail down that spot because to be honest, as a United fan, he's the best defender out of the three, naturally. Yeah, I agree. And he's got a bit of pace about him, which is a big thing for me. I think um, in terms, specifically in terms of United, I think he'd definitely help United's defence because Maguire's just so slow and we, I feel like we need someone who's a bit quicker and behind. Yeah, I've seen forklifts turn around quicker than Maguire, to be honest. Uh, it's just, it's it's quite funny, really. It looks like he's running in slow motion sometimes. Um, but yeah, so another option is you could go slightly cheaper and invest in midfield and strikers. So who are the slightly cheaper options you could look at? So West Ham are a team what a lot of us are going to be targeting after this game week because the fixtures get really good and their game after that is Fulham. So there's two options here. One's at left centre-back, one's at left wing-back. So first of all, we've got Masaraku, who's at 4.5 mil. And he's first for expected assists for defenders under 5 million. And he's also um, second for shots, uh, which is obviously shows his attack and output. He's not got the assists so far, what Creswell's got, but the intent there is particularly high from Masawaku. And I really like watching him. He's just that one of those fun players to watch. He's got all the skills and he's just a bit unpredictable. Yeah. Um, but then Creswell on the other side, he seems a bit of a safer option. He's five mil and he's got three assists. And for defenders at five mil or lower, he's he's top for baseline bonus, which makes sense because obviously the assist potential he's had and uh, the good defensive output that West Ham have had in a couple of games and two clean sheets against Wolves and Leicester. So what do you think about West Ham defenders moving forward after game uh, for game week eight and onwards? I think West Ham defenders have a great assist potential. I think that's the main thing with them for me. I think... Um, the likes of Masawaka and Creswell um, putting the balls into the box. Creswell, I think, has got a great ball in, but specifically Masawaka as well. He has um, the potential for getting good balls in. And the, the likes of Antonio and Sushek in the box. I know there's doubts about Antonio at the moment with injuries, but those sorts of tall players, you'd expect them to get on, get on the end of these crosses. So I think assist potential is very high with West Ham defenders. 
and I know their fixtures turn soon, which is definitely a benefit for them. But I think I'm also interested to see what happens when their fixtures do turn. Because we've only really seen West Ham against tough teams. I want to see how they perform against lower yeah, teams. It's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you would expect them to obviously perform better. You'd think they'd be extremely solid against those sides. But like you said, it might be harder for them to break those down. But I think they get so many balls into the box that it's tough for any opposition to defend against. Um, they play a style which is quite different to anyone else in the league by the amount of balls they get in there. Um, so I don't think a lot of teams face the aerial threat of someone like a Sushek or the strength of Antonio every week. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're a bit of um, an old school throwback. So I think they'll do OK against anyone, West Ham. And I think their defensive stats are great. And I don't think I think people captain in Salah this week are going to be a little bit worried about how good they have actually been at the back, especially without the top sides. Um, then another option is Dallas at Leeds. Now, he's first for shots out of defenders under, uh, five mil or under. And yes, Le- Leeds have a certain style, but he's always very attacking. And you've seen Aylin go back to centre-back recently. So if you're looking to invest in Leeds and you don't want to get Bamford, but you want to weigh into the Leeds side, Dallas could be a good way to go, couldn't he? Yeah, no, I agree. I think he's quite an attacking uh, player for Leeds. And I think Leeds are a good side to get players in, to be honest. I feel that they look really good every time I watch them. So I think that'd be a good way into their defence. Yeah. So out of those options, who would you say, let's have uh, two uh, higher priced options who we would say would could replace the Liverpool defence and one option under five million? or 5 million or under. So for me, the standout options are Chilwell and Castagna at um, at a slightly higher price, 5.5 or over. What about yourself? Do you think Cancelo comes in there? Do you think Tellez? Or are you happy with those two? Right now, I'd definitely say those two. Chilwell, an absolute definite for me. I think he'd be my top of my list. I really like the look of him at the moment. Then second place, I think... Likes to tell us, it's just it's hard to know right now because of his injury and stuff. So, I think, um, yeah, I think the options you laid out are probably the best options. And then under five mil. So, I'm I actually really like the look of Masawaku. Um, he'll he's probably the one I'm most interested in. Uh, 4.5, I think he's a great option with West Ham's upcoming fixtures. But would you prefer a, Quez, a Creswell or a Dallas or even a Carl Walker-Peters with three, three clean sheets in his last four, like under five mil? Where, where would you say people should invest? I think Dallas and Carl Walker-Peters are good options, but I, I would prefer a West Ham defender right now. I think um, Masuaku is a good way into it. I personally think Creswell is a better way into it, but I know he's 0.5 more, so it may be a bit more tricky. If you have... Um, if you have the funds, I'd go for Creswell over Masawaku. But if you don't, I'd go Masawaku as a great option as well. Okay, great, great. Right, well, let's have a look at game week seven. Now, we got the game on Friday. We've got another Friday game, guys. So make sure you get those teams in by 6.30pm when the deadline is on Friday. We've got Wolves versus Palace. Now, this screams low scoring to me. Palace, they like to sit back. 
Wolves, they like to sit back. Wolves have been very pragmatic since the start of the season. I can't, I can't really work out why Adama can't get in the team. But um, some stats from the last game. So Jimenez had six shots in the game, but he only had one inside the box. So he does what he does with Jimenez. He just ticks over. But what do you expect from that game on Friday, Greg? I expect a bit of a bore, to be honest. Uh, I think it will be low scoring, as you say. Uh, I think both teams have been quite solid defensively so far this season. So it might be one of those battles of the defences in this game. I think I've been quite impressed with Podence in the Wolves' latest game. So maybe watch on him a little bit. Um, I thought he looked quite dangerous, even though he hasn't actually got any returns. But um, I think it's a game that will be settled by the likes of Jimenez, Zaha, one goal. I don't know if Podence is a bit like St. Maximum, where he looks great, but he doesn't actually deliver FPL-wise. Um, it's just, he does look good on the ball and stuff like that. I just don't know whether it suits Jimenez as much compared to Adama just getting it out and getting it in uh, for him to attack. It just seems like they're a little bit disjointed up there and it's really you can't really see that, that partnership building between those. Um, so I don't know if Neto has to uh, be moved out of Podence, but I think Adama needs to be moved into that front line just to give Jimenez a bit more supply. Um, but I think if you've got Wolves defenders, you're going to be pretty happy about this upcoming game. I know Sahar's been in, uh, he done well in the last game, but let's be honest, like he was playing Fulham. They're easily the worst team in the league. Um, but what, I would be a little bit concerned about is there was a price rise for Kilman this morning overnight, sorry. And people have obviously turned to him. It looks like it's going to be between him and Sace who are going to get that left centre back role. I think Sace will be moved from left wing back at some stage because it's attacking outputs not particularly there. So if you're a Sace owner or a Kilman owner, I think you're going to be fairly nervous for that, that team reveal. Yeah, I am nervous as a Sace owner. Um, I think main mainly points to Sace keeping his spot because I know Sace is very um, like well Nuno's very happy with Sace. He's played most of um, Nuno's games in the last fifty games, so he's definitely very trusted. But you can't argue that there's not a risk there in terms of Kilman coming in because Kilman has looked good when he's played. Yeah, and it was obviously interesting that he took Sace off before Kilman at the weekend, so. We'll see what happens there, but keep an eye on that. Um, in terms of Palace, it's hard to get excited about talking about them. Uh, Zahar, he looked good against Fulham, but they had an XG of 0.00 non-pen against Brighton at home the week before. So I wouldn't write home too much about that. I guess the only thing of interest from Palace is, is Patrick Van Arnold. Does he come in instead of Mitchell? But that's really about it, isn't it? I don't know. I think Zaha's a better option than he's being given credit for here. I think he's two points off Salah this season in terms of overall return. He's got a great points return. And it looks like if Palace score, it's going to be him. I know Palace don't score much, but he looks like currently six games in, he's returning the goods. I know what you're saying. I know I've got, I I had trouble with saying something similar about Bamford last week, but they had an, I don't want a player who was part of a team who had an XG of zero at home. Like I know he, I know he's done okay 
and the points do come from him. But I do not want a player of over seven million where his team has got an XG at home of zero against a team like Brighton. So I'm not interested and I never will be interested. I know he's ticking over, but it's just like he plays for the, one of the most boring teams in the league and I literally can't put myself through it. Fair enough, but I am interested and I think I'm keeping a close eye on Foden and Foden's on the uh, he's on the radar, he's coming out if Zaha uh, look, look, carries on looking good and Foden starts to look bad then Zaha's coming in for me. Okay, alright, well that's fair enough. That's why you've never finished in the top 1k. <laughs> 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 joking, joking. All right, so then Saturday, we move on to Sheffield United, Man City. Now, Sheffield United looked a little bit better against Liverpool, especially defensively. Uh, they looked like they had a little bit more fitness than they had in the previous games, but in the end, they did lose. And, they had a go- and Liverpool, if Salah, if he was finishing better on the turn, and obviously the goal didn't get disallowed, then it's 4-1 and it looks very different. Um so I still think this is a great fixture for City. But they have no strikers. And it looks like Sterling... I know Torres played up front last night, uh, 6.9. So you could keep an eye on that. But Sterling obviously missed a couple of sitters against West Ham. Foden didn't start the game. De Bruyne got two assists last night, which was encouraging. But for the money you have to pay for a De Bruyne or a Sterling at the moment, it's hard to fit them in. So if you do have a City option... Um, would you say that Sterling would be the best option at the moment? Yeah, prob- probably. But I don't know. It's tough with Kevin De Bruyne as well. I feel like I need to see more of them to be able to decipher which one's the better option. Right now, I'd probably go Sterling just. I think um, it's just hard on the City right now. Their team's a bit of a mess up front. So it seems like they're rotating every game and how they play. So you never, re- you never really know what you're going to get from them. Yeah, and I'm quite happy with my um, attack at the moment with Spurs assets and um, uh, Liverpool assets taking up most of the funds. But with City, I'm actually looking at maybe getting some of their one of their defenders in. So I will be looking at the likes of Cancelo and even Diaz, uh, seeing what kind of difference they make. They looked fairly solid at Marseille last night. They looked pretty solid against West Ham. So... I'm going to be watching out for them. So, guys, just keep an eye out on Cancelo. See if he starts the game. And obviously, the stats we've given before, he's got a great attacking output. So, he, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a couple of, if he had an attacking return. So, keep an eye out on that. Then we go to Burnley, Chelsea. Now, if you've got a Chelsea attacker, and I've had Havertz, I've moved them out for Grealish already. Um, I would be very worried about the way Lampard is setting up Chelsea at the moment. Pulisic seems to be very much in the same area as Werner. Um, then you, they look like they don't have a lot of width, uh, obviously with Havertz playing on the wing. And it just seems like Pulisic hasn't found his form yet. Ziyech is still yet to come in. Is he still going to play the five at the back? They haven't scored in the last two games. So if I had Werner or Havertz or Pulisic, I'd be pretty worried about this game because Burnley looks solid against uh, Spurs and I think I'd be jumping ship to be honest yeah well I am a, currently a Werner owner and I am jumping ship I think Werner is not going to do well against Burnley I guess that's quite a big statement but Burnley are going to sit deep and Werner's not going to be able to get in behind and 
I haven't really seen anything from Werner yet, which suggests he can um, score goals in the Prem without going in behind. Because I don't know, I've been when watching Werner, I feel like he's been really unselfish a lot of the time. It's not like he really wants to score goals, so it's a bit, it's a bit of a confusing one, I think. But in general, uh, with Chelsea's attack, I think right now I would currently avoid. I don't think there's much to suggest that they're worth investing in. Yeah, I just think Lampard's really struggling to deal with that quality of player and actually set it up. Um, yeah. He's brought Havertz in. He doesn't. He want. He doesn't fit. He was playing four three three. He doesn't know how to get him in. He's tried him on the right wing. It isn't working. Um, Werner likes to drift out to the left, but Pulisic is on the left, so it's just really muddled. And um, it's just one to keep an eye on, guys. So I think if you've got Chelsea attackers. There's just better options in different places. So maybe it's time to jump. Uh, then we move on to Liverpool and West Ham. Now, Liverpool, they've got some great captaincy options for this week. But the problem is West Ham have got fantastic defensive statistics, especially against the fixtures they've had. Like the fixtures they've had, everyone thought they were fixtures from hell when they first came out. And they've done really, really well. Uh, obviously, got a draw with City last weekend. They only let one goal in. So if you're a Salah owner or a Mane owner, these they're both great captaincy options. Obviously, Salah could have got two goals against Sheffield United, but West Ham's defensive stats would worry me slightly. So I'm actually starting to think that Mane is a better option than Salah. Because what? his stats, in terms of the quality of shot and chance he has compared to Salah. Salah does have a lot of shots. He's very much quantity. He has a lot of shots in the box. He shoots from he shoots from range and stuff like that. But Mane always seems to have that higher quality of either shot or assist potential. And I think that's been seen since the first game of the season. He's outperformed Salah. I know Salah had the two penalties first game week one. But um, yeah, I'm starting to think Mane's a better option. And if I was wildcard in... If I had my wild card, I think I would rather have Mane than Salah. I personally disagree. I still think Salah's the better option. I think the penalty um, potential is large. I think he could have got two goals easily in his last game. I think um, I'm never. I'm always confident with Salah that he's going to score. So I'm very happy with Salah at the moment. Although I do agree, Mane is a great option as well. Like Mane does look like he can get a lot of goals and assists. Yeah. It's just, I don't know why, but I think people they overlook Mane. I don't know if it's because he was at the same price as Salah. But Mane, like, it's absolutely crazy because Mane's only owned by 9.5% of managers in the game and Salah's owned by nearly 50%. So if you want a differential, making that swap could be a good one. Obviously, I've got Salah, so it's easy for me to say, but... I've been really impressed by Mane. Yeah, I think um, I just think with them both being in the same team, I think they'll get a similar points output at the end. But I think personally, Salah will get a bit more, and I think Salah might be a bit more explosive in terms of his points in the game. So I think personally, for me, the reason Mane is lowly owned is just because him and Salah are pretty much just competing with each other. Yeah, yeah, and I think with Fabinho being injured, Van Dijk being injured. Obviously, Carragher showed on Monday Night Football uh, a week ago how susceptible uh, Liverpool were pre-Van Dijk to crosses in the box and set-piece goals, which is a massive 
red alert for Sushek owners because Sushek is the new Fellaini 2.0. Lots of crosses in the box from West Ham. It's going to be very difficult for Liverpool to be able to handle that, especially without Fabinho in there too. So if you're a Sushek owner or even if you have a West Ham centre-back, I would be pretty confident that there's a very high potential of a set-piece goal coming for West Ham. So I'm really excited as a Sushek owner because I think this is going to be the week he scores. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. You've said that every week. but uh, <laughs> I'll get it right one week. Yeah, see, go through your Twitter feed every, just every week. Just see a Sushek tweet. Um, I am Sushek's number one fan. Yeah, I mean, the day will come, but who knows whether it'll be this season or next season, season after maybe. Um, we'll see. <laughs> you buy my point, though, that Liverpool are going to be susceptible to crosses and set pieces. And that just, if there's a team you probably wouldn't want to play at the moment with those weaknesses, it's probably West Ham. Yeah, no, banner aside, I do agree. I think um, the like the likes of Suchet will be very good in this game because I think Liverpool will be dangerous. Um, well, no, susceptible to the cross. And I, I can't see Liverpool keeping a clean sheet because I think they will concede one from set piece considering how deadly West Ham are from them. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we move on to Sunday, and now we're going to talk about your favourite player, Greg. So we've got Villa uh, against Southampton. You've been moaning all weekend about Ollie Watkins and how poor he is and how Bamford's the new messiah and all this rubbish. Ollie Watkins, he's got a great chance of running in behind against Southampton. Uh, I really fancy Villa to score. I know Southampton have had three clean sheets in the last four, but... They've played some pretty. They played some pretty weak sides in amongst that. I know Everton was one of the sides, but they really lacked the pace in behind of Richarlison in that game, and with Seamus Coleman, so some big misses for them. Villa, I'm a Grealish owner now, so I'm pretty confident that he'll be able to break the lines. He was very unlucky not to score, or and even get a penalty in the last game he played against Leeds. So, come on then, tell me what you're thinking about Ollie Watkins. I just I. I honestly think he's a really bad option. The only thing good about him is his price. I think he, in the last two games and the games before Liverpool, he's failed the eye test badly. He's uh, He's got a U, to be honest. Um, he's just looked really, really undangerous. He doesn't. Has he really... made you go? Has he made you go cross-eyed? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's. He just looks. He just doesn't look dangerous to me. And when he does have a couple chances, he just doesn't score them. The only game where he's actually scored is Liverpool. So I really don't rate him as an option, and I'm kind of glad I have him in my team because I really want. I really want Bamford. I think. Um, and in terms of Southampton specifically, now I do. I do really disagree, to be honest. I think Southampton would dominate this game. I'd be surprised if Villa score a goal. I think uh, Southampton um, won't um, won't be worried about Watkins running behind because Watkins isn't fast. He's about the same pace as Calvert-Lewin to me, and Calvert-Lewin really struggled against Southampton. And I know... I, I, really, I do disagree because... If you looked at the game of Everton, why they struggled so much is because they had the, they had Sigurdsson and they had Rodriguez on the wings, and they're both players who are great. Obviously, Rodriguez has been fantastic since he's come into the league, but he doesn't have the ability to break the line in terms of either a bit of skill or pace. He doesn't have that, so he can't. So Southampton's pressure was constant; they could keep them in the box. Whereas Grealish, he can break the line. 
and he'll be he's going to be if you think about the Spurs game they needed Kane to break the line and get the ball through to Son and that is what's going to happen I think and I re- I, I really like Villa for this game and I think Villa will score no, I, I just, I can't see it. I think with Kane, I think he had the benefit of Son running behind. And I thought Son, it's a fast player and a great finish. It's, it worked perfectly, but Watkins isn't fast. So I just don't think it will work. Well, he's far, he's faster than Vestergaard, isn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, he is faster than Vestergaard, but it's not hard to be faster than Vestergaard. I, just, I don't think he's fast enough for me personally. Um, How I was, fast I, do you want him? <laughs> I, think he'll, I think he'll blank. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, well... I think you should keep him in your team for this week. Um, I think he's going to really suit this game. And Vestergaard, I don't even know. I don't even know if he'd beat Maguire in a race. So that's that's saying something about him. But then you have got Che Adams and Ings. Obviously, Che Adams looks like he's starting to return. Great value player. Um, obviously, he disappointed owners at the start of the season. Are you uh, more encouraged maybe to move Watkins to Che Adams? Yeah, I think, um, so I've got two options in mind moving Watkins. One of them's obviously Bamford and then the other's Che Adams. I think they're both looking good at the moment. I think, as you say, Che Adams is starting to get a few returns. I think um, he has good link up with Danny Ings, which is, I think is a big thing for him. So I think maybe his form is starting to turn. Yeah. Well, Southampton, they played brilliant against Everton. They dominated the game. So if you've got any Southampton attackers... I'd be fairly confident that they would be in for a decent evening again. Um, so then we move on to Newcastle Everton. I don't really want to talk about Newcastle because Bruce, I know he played a lot of attacking players in the last game, but they're just offering nothing up front and it's very dull to watch. Um, I can understand Newcastle supporters' problems with the way they've been set up. Uh, Callum Wilson's doing well. He keeps ticking over. I know he got an assist in the last game. I don't really know how he did because he was bet- he wasn't involved in the game. But I guess the big talking points: Everton. Everton it was the first game they lost. Uh, Rashalison missing made a big difference to Calvert Lewin. Coleman being injured made a big difference to the supply to Calvert Lewin, and also Digne. He got sent off. That's been rec- that's gone down to one game instead of three. So if you're a Calvert Lewin owner then you'd still be fairly confident about that. Um, I think they'll be a little bit better in this game, Everton, because they're not going to have the pressure which was put on them by um, Southampton. Um, If you think about the players Everton got, they've got Sigurdsson and they've got Rodriguez, who are probably going to start this game. And Newcastle, what they've done against Man United, what they've done against Wolves is they sat deep. And that suits the kind of players... Everton have in terms of Sigurdsson and Rodriguez trying to create things between the lines. They don't need pace because the defence is going to be quite, it's going to be back on the box line. So it's more about being more intricate. Whereas against Southampton, they were met really high, high intensity. It just doesn't suit them. So I, I wouldn't be too worried. And I saw some, well, I saw people going out their minds talking about selling Calvert-Lewin at the, uh, the weekend. I thought it was absolutely crazy. Yeah, 100% agree. I think this game will suit Cavalier and more. I think he's got more chance of scoring in this one because I think it'll be a lot easier for them to get balls into the box. And that's what Cavalier's strongest at, is the heading. So I think um, I, I'm not too worried as a Cavalier owner in this game. No, I completely agree. And Everton's fixtures, looking forward, look great. They've got Newcastle, then they've got Man United, but then they've got Fulham and Leeds. So 
if you've got Rodriguez or um, Calvert-Lewin, I really wouldn't be worrying because the fixtures look great. Um, and they're going to they're gonna want to have a response after that loss. Uh, so we'll move on to Super Sunday. And then you've got Man United at Arsenal. Now, the Man United game against Chelsea was very disappointing. Both teams really struggled to create anything. Um, Arsenal, they got caught on the break against Vardy. That seems to happen to them a lot, but I think they'll play quite deep against United. I think they'll ask United to come on to them. That like a lot of the big games they've played in like the Cups, and then they'll hope for the pace of Aubameyang to bail them out. Saka also. I think this game's going to be pretty low scoring. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I think again the same. I think Arsenal will um, show up with a good defence. I think United will struggle to break that down. And I haven't really been that confident about Arsenal's attack this season. I don't think they've looked very good, so I can't see them scoring many against me. I think Aubameyang has got one assist since he signed the new contract, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I think uh, Aubameyang must be the biggest trap so far this season in terms of everyone had him at the start and now no one, no one has him. Yeah, and I think um, Aubameyang also, everyone at the start was going, oh, it's amazing that he's been... He's been changed to a midfielder. Think about the like how high-scoring player he's going to be. And it's just not worked out. He's really struggled. And um, I think if you're looking for players in the Man United-Arsenal game, I actually think Man United defenders might be the place to go because I think United are going to be fairly solid too. And there's not going to be many goals. So, turns AB plays well tonight. Uh, Lindelof's injured. If it's confirmed he's injured, then he could be a good option to bring in for a little while. And he could cement his place at 4.5. So, just keep an eye on that. Uh, then we move to Spurs. Now, Spurs, most informed team in the league. Uh, Son and Kane just keep assisting each other. I don't know if you saw, but when Son scored, he said to Harry Kane, uh, and they caught it on camera saying, did you get the assist, Harry? So it's obviously they they both have each other in their FBL teams, by the look of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, obviously, they look like the two best cop- captaincy options this week. I've got Kane. Kane will be my captain. You've got Son. Will Son be your captain? Yep, Son will be my captain. I will say probably by the end of this week, I will have Kane as well. I do plan to have both. But despite that, I'm still going to go with Son as my captain for this game. I think um, Son will be able to get in behind against Brighton. I think he'll look more likely to score than Kane. Although Kane still has the scoring potential, I think this is a game that suits Son. Yeah, I agree. I think Son's. I think Brighton do suit Son. I think they play quite high up. Uh, and I think they've been give, they give the ball away in silly places, and obviously with Lamptey playing quite high, March playing quite high, there's a lot of space behind the fullback, uh, behind the the fullbacks, and onto the centre defenders who aren't particularly fast, and it will suit Son, and um, I expect him to do really well. But as a Kane owner, I'm still confident to put the captain's armband on him. So, um, um, what what would you think about Kane and Son? in the same FPL team because I was thinking about this and right now you'd say great idea but their fixtures do turn in about two game weeks and at that point do you think it would be worth having both of them? Uh, I think they can act as placeholders for a City player um, so for example with Son if you've, I think it's about who you've had value in so if you've had Son from the start then I'd keep Son because obviously you've grown up, you've bought a lot of value with him. And it's a bit like Kane. Like I've had Kane since he was 10.5. I've got more value in Kane than I've got him in my help to buy Isa. 
like I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of value in Kane, so he's not going to go. But the person you've brought in the most recent, who you haven't got as much value in, I'd be looking to look to a City asset when their fixtures get really good in a couple of weeks. So for the next three, I would I think the double up's a really good idea. Yeah. Okay. And I'm guessing that's what you're going to do. You're going to bring Kane in. Probably, yeah. That is my plan. It seems like a boring move, but it seems like a really good move because a lot of people got the double up and it really does hurt your rank if they do return together. Because it seems like if Spurs score, one of them's getting the assist and one of them's getting the goal. Yeah, last two game weeks, Kane's been a really frustrating player to not have because he's really cost me in terms of FPL position. So he's one I just kind of want to get in at this point. And I think Werner's the perfect player to get him in for because I'm really not, still not feeling confident about Werner. No, Werner needs to go in the bin. He needs to go straight in the bin. You need to get the bin liner out, wrap him up and throw him straight in the bin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, if I had Lamptey, where a lot of you do, or Ryan, uh, you can't really do a lot about Ryan. But if you have Lamptey, I'd be looking at benching him. If you've got a, if you've got any options, you can put in guys. Cause I just can't see how Brian um, are not going to let a couple of goals in there. Um, it's going to be hard for him to get attacking returns because uh, Hoiberg's playing pretty well at covering, and also. Uh, Mourinho went a little bit more solid against Burnley. I'm not sure if he's going to do the same with Regley on not playing. But yeah, I wouldn't be too confident as a Lamptey owner. I'd probably bench him. Uh, you've got Lamptey, haven't you, Greg? Yeah, maybe you could solve an FPL headache for me. So I've got Lamptey against Spurs um, and I've got Taylor against Chelsea. Uh, and I need to play one of them. Who would you say? I much fancy Burnley to keep a clean sheet than Brighton. I think Taylor's maybe assist potential is not as high as Lamptey. Do you think that the clean sheet potential does outweigh Lamptey's potential returns? Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought Burnley looked pretty good against Spurs. They're getting a lot more balls into the box. And um, obviously, if you look, think uh, Tarkowski did have a ball um, off the line from Kane. And I know Taylor does take some of the corners. So... I don't know. I've, I I think they've got a good... I think they're basically quite similar in terms of assist potential, but clean sheet potential, I do think Taylor's a much better option than Lamptey this weekend. Okay. All right, then we move on to Monday. I'm not even going to bother talking about Fulham or West Brom because it's like... Well, it's, it's basically asking what's better, like a Fiat or a, like a Vauxhall. Like, no one cares. Do you know what I mean? So... Um, don't even bother talking about that game. Don't really care about that at all. Um, I'm guessing none of you have options from those sides. Some maybe have Pereira, but I'm sure you've moved them on well. Well, yeah. well gone now. I just think it's one of those games, isn't it? It's like where it's a boxing event and you're waiting for the heavyweight fight, but that you've got all these little fights in between that you wait that you just have to like stroll through before you can get to the main fight. It's like flipping out, can they just end already? So I can see a good game already. Yeah. Like, like you got Gary from the local bakery fighting Pete, who's a butcher, and just like just both about forty, about fourteen pounds overweight, and literally both awful when it goes eleven rounds, and that's what it's like. And then they got the cheat to ask you for fourteen ninety five for it. Do <laughs> <laughs> um, you fancy being mugged off on a Monday at five thirty? Okay, buy the Fulham West Brom game. <laughs> um, and then the last game, which I'm really excited about, actually, is Leeds Leicester. 
Now, Leeds are fantastic to watch, just completely full of energy, so dynamic in their man-for-man marking um, formations and tactics. I love Bielsa. Um, like I've already apologised to Bamford. He looked fantastic. He had, in his last four game weeks, he's had 18 shots in the box, which is fantastic. Um, I didn't think he could have the conversion rate. I know he only got 16 goals in the championship last season, so I didn't think he could do it, but it looks like he's proven me wrong. So fair play to him. I can't see either team keeping a clean sheet in this game. I think there's going to be goals. Yeah. So I like the look of Vardy. I think yeah. Leeds, yes, yeah, their man-for-man uh, marking is fantastic. A lot, uh, lot of pressure. But it does mean that if one of them doesn't get it right, then there's space in behind. And who is probably the best striker when it comes to space in behind, especially up against the top six and stuff like that, is Jamie Vardy. So obviously he got his goal against Leicester, uh, not Leicester, sorry, Arsenal. You look, if you've got Vardy, I think he's a great option. And if you're looking to move off Aguero, then I wouldn't be disheartened to go for him And if you don't have the funds for Kane. Yeah, I agree. I think um, Vardy would be a good option. I think, especially in this game, I think I could definitely see him getting a goal. I think he looked dangerous when he came on against Arsenal. So, yeah, I think he's a good option as well. And then I'm really, I'm really tempted by Castagna. So I feel like Castagna may come in my team by the end of this, by the end of the week. Um, and I really fancy him for attacking potential too. Leeds, obviously, the big threat is going to be Bamford. His um, his build-up with Rodrigo looks good. Uh, Costa, Click, they're all, start, they're all really producing so uh, lots and lots of shots in the box. And I just think that they may be a fixture-proof team, Leeds. Um, they're going to give everyone a good game. So what do you think, score prediction-wise, points prediction-wise for that game? Who, What players do you think are going to really perform well in that game? I know we've picked out Vardy. Yeah, I think Vardy's one of them. I think I've really, really been happy with Bamford recently he's passed the eye test I think he'll get um, another goal he'll look dangerous especially so I could see him getting returns I think there's so many Leeds options which could return I think that's one thing with them they look very uh, very dangerous so it's hard to pick out the ones which will but I think Bamford value for money wise is up there as one of the best players in FPL right now so I'll go for him score prediction I'd say oh I'll go Tool. Okay, I think Leicester. I think Leicester will beat them. I think Vardy's going to have a field day, to be honest. Um, but we'll see. Right. So that's that. Let's just quickly do our differentials for the game week. Now, I won last week, which is fucking hilarious because my player got one point. <laughs> so I had Aguero who came off at half time, and Greg had Bale who didn't come off the bench at all. So I never thought I'd be winning the uh, differential weekend with um, one point. So it goes <laughs> the standard. And we had Aguero and Bell, which are two of the best players ever playing in the league. So it's funny how it goes. But this week, who have you got? All right. So this week, I've got a um, slightly cheaper option than Bale last week because clearly that weren't working for me. Um, I've gone with Che Adams against Villa. I think Che Adams got returns in his last two games. And he's starting to look better. It seems a good partnership between him and Ings. And I think Southampton will beat Villa. So that is why I've gone for that player. Fair enough. 
Yeah, no, it's hard to argue. He has looked really good in the, the last couple of games. He looked good against Everton. Um, but for me, and I know I won't be watching this game at all, but I'm going to pick Lookman because he hit the post twice in the last game for Fulham. I thought he was very unlucky. He had the top shots among any midfielder in the game over the weekend. So really advanced. He likes to shoot. He's only five mil and he's owned by 0.4% of managers and he's got West Brom at home. So it's a pretty good set of ingredients and I feel like it's going to be a nice looking pie when those points come in. So Lookman against Che Adams. So keep an eye out, guys. I fancy Lookman to have this one. The almighty battle of our differentials. Um, yeah. We've got Aguero versus Aguero to Lookman versus Che Adams. <laughs> I mean, if we're going off of previous weeks, all I can say to you guys is just look at who we pick and just don't pick them at any cost. Do not believe yeah. the two. Yeah, it's not gone too well so far, especially going for the bigger players. I think I've picked Pulisic a couple of times and he's not done anything either. Yeah, um, I'm feeling happy about this week, though. I can I can definitely see Jay Adams doing the business for me. Yeah, and do you, what do you think about Lookman? I actually think he's great. I think he's, for this one game week, I think he's a good option. I think he's one of the dangerous-looking players for Fulham. I guess the main reason you chose him is because you picked the fixture and you can't yeah, argue with that. You can't yeah. argue with that. Right. Well, we'll call it there. Thank you very much, guys. I hope you enjoyed the fact that we've moved it to Wednesdays and it gives you a couple uh, gives you a couple more days to listen before the deadline. Um, thanks for all your feedback on that. We really appreciate it. And obviously we listened and we moved it forward. So thanks for that. And uh, enjoy the Champions League tonight. So thanks, everyone. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, just one thing before we go, I'd like to say if you've got £15 spare on Monday evening, then... Uh, put on the TV, uh, buy Domino's Pizza and watch Leeds versus Leicester. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd do well to get 15 quid pizza for the, at Domino's, but <laughs> but yeah, thanks for, thanks for that tip and listen to that, guys, and then pay the extra fiver to actually get the pizza. So <laughs> um, thank, thank you very much and we'll see you next week. See you later, guys.